So here we are once again. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And it's Fried Squirms. Episode? 33. Yeah. Yeah, we just discussed that. Just to make sure. I always forget what number episode it is. It's creeping up on us how like how far we're getting into it. I was thinking about that the other day. We're getting closer and closer to some stuff that we're going to have to start planning out. But I agree, but we've got that in the works. Yeah, that's all still future, thankfully. So for 33, I guess this is what, the finish of Vampire Month then? Yeah, this particular film was going to cap off our Vampire Month, and we did a proper month this time. Before we say the name of the film, let me set the scene, and I guess this will also work a little bit as our synopsis, even before we get into the guts and bolts. For this film choice, it's 1998. It features a vampire hunter, raised to be a vampire hunter, clad in leather, trying to stop vampires from being able to walk in the daylight. It features Tim Guinea, and it's not Blade. <laughs> that's a good way of, I think, giving a brief synopsis without giving too much away. That's a perfect way of describing this film. Both movies are 1998. Did you realize that? I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Because I, when I think about this, when you said 1998, at that time, I was either going into my junior year or I was in my last semester of my sophomore year in high school. So I'm very familiar with that time period in the films, both of those films. And so this is John Carpenter's Vampires. This was my post-90s pick. Yeah, and it's a great pick, too. I'm glad you chose this one. Somehow it has that many similarities with Blade. Same year coincidence including tim guinea perhaps <laughs> which I, I thought was the most interesting little anyway we'll get into it yeah john carpenter's vampires 1998 my pick let's get into the guts and bolts so that we can get further into how it made us squeal because yeah. i have a lot of history with this movie so we'll get there i'm ready guts and bolts here we are in the Guts and Bolts. Yeah, Guts and Bolts. Let's see. We already mentioned it's 1998. This movie came out 30th of October. And it's John Carpenter's Vampires. I've seen it as credited as Vampires. but I've seen Vampires, and then I've seen John, John Carpenter's, Carpenter's Vampires. Vampires. Yeah. I always think of it as John Carpenter's Vampires. Likewise. It's a JC movie. Right. John Carpenter, we've definitely covered before because he is just horror legend, really. Movie legend in a lot of ways because he didn't just do horror, but... That's a good point. One thing that I like, on top of like all his film credits, you know, as far as directing, is that he composes most, if not all, of his music in the films right. as well. So he comes at it from all kinds of different angles when you watch his films, and it's impressive. Including my favorite name track on this soundtrack, Padre's Wood. I like that. Well, we'll talk about that. There's a reason for that. It's funny. <laughs> there is a reason for that. God, yeah. So John Carpenter, the big draw other than John Carpenter for this movie is going to be James Woods. He is the central character in this film. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I feel like other than maybe parts of the soundtrack and stuff, this movie doesn't include a whole lot of Carpenter's major things. So if you've never heard of John Carpenter, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, we can maybe Halloween... We, I mean, we kind of just rushed by them real quick. Yeah. Halloween, which we did an episode on, actually. Yeah, that was, that was our introduction, to. really, to John Carpenter. Like Escape from New York. They Live. That's like a huge in, film. Yeah, Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, Big Trouble. Man, that's one of my favorite films growing up. That's not a horror film done by him. With Kurt Russell, there's an actor in this film who was also in that. He got an uncredited role, but I recognize him still. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. But anyhow... Yeah, it just shows his track record. Like, he's he's amazing. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're not all, they all can't be diamonds. Well, and that's the thing I guess we'll mention right now in the Guts and Bolts is that in the 90s, his movies hit a little bit of a slump. This movie happens to be his 
only movie that turned a profit in the 90s? I can definitely see that with this film. And, you know, when I watched this film, it did bring up that time period for me because I was familiar with this style of shooting for films like this, which we can delve into a little bit later on. But, yeah, it was interesting. I'm like, so this is a really good film. Not his best film, but it's, it's still entertaining as shit. Yeah, so then we also said James Woods. Yeah. Probably these days best known as Family Guy's James Woods. Yeah, and is it the high school? It's named after him? Yeah. That's awesome. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Family Guy set in Rhode Island? Yeah, I think so. And the reason why they use James Woods because he is from Rhode Island. Oh, like he's born in Utah? Yeah, I think he was born in Utah. He moved to Rhode, to Island, Rhode Island with his mother, and I think he was raised with her and I think his grandmother or something like that. But yeah, he went to MIT later on. All right, and then he dropped out to pursue acting. and He got his break with uh, one of my favorite like body horror directors, David Cronenberg, with Videodrome. Oh, man, it's been a long time since I've seen Videodrome. A movie's pretty um, awesome, man. It's fucking gnarly. It has uh, Debbie Harry. Okay. So, I mean, if you want to check her out. For me, I mean, James Woods always seemed like he was one of those guys that was in a lot of things when I was just growing up. Like, he was always kind of this presence. Yeah, uh, which he, was, he was I'm really glad actor. that he's on Family Guy now. Like, I always think of him as Hades and Hercules. I did write that down. That's pretty awesome. And a really great boxing movie, Digstown. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was like, that is a, a film in the 90s that I watched, I don't know how many times. Yeah, he's great in that. I he's didn't actually casino. see it. Yeah, he's in Casino. Played I didn't actually see Digstown until the first time I saw it was just a couple of years ago. Jesse introduced okay. me to it. That's a good film. He right? loves that movie, but it's he a plays, great film. He um, like a manager of a boxer, mm-hmm. like a promoter or something like that. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting film. And like another boxing film I was just briefly mentioning was Play It to the Bone. That's one. And oh. another really, really good film I like is a um, Sofia Coppola film, The Virgin Suicides. Okay. He plays the father of the girls in the film, which includes Kirsten Dunst. It's a really good film. It's kind of a sad film. It has um, Josh Hartnett in it as well. When I went through his, his filmography, I'm surprised at how many like voices and shit he's done. He has done a lot of voice acting. And I didn't... A lot. I, I guess I didn't realize that in the Hercules animated series, he stuck around to do Hades the entire time, even though I watched it. Most of the time, like, the big actors like that kind of fall off when they do the series projects. It makes sense, yeah, after a bit. And then, you know, they just find somebody who can do a close a version similar. of the voice and keep going with it. But he continued on, and he was Hades. That was actually kind of neat. That's good for him, um, and then he stuck with it. But, I mean, goddamn, he's, he has a lot of credits. That's just Ghosts of Mississippi, just all sorts of shit. He has a wealth of credits to his name. And it's for a good reason. He's a really good actor. I was thinking, in this particular film... If somebody else played his part, it would not be the same film. No. His timing, some of the, his lines in this film, it wouldn't be the same. And he did an episode of the Clark's cartoon. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. Major Baklava. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then who else is in this movie? Goddamn, we got a Baldwin. Oh, yeah, we talked about that last week that we we're going we to talk Baldwin. about the Baldwins. We've got one of the Baldwins, and it's not... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to part this guy. Where name, does but... he rank in the Baldwin scale? Where would you think? He's one of the lower Baldwins, Ooh. I would say. I would say he would be either the third or fourth one in, in succession in terms of their uh, as their fame or their infamy, oh. if you want to call it that. Dude, he's been in a lot of movies. He has. He's been in a lot of television series as well. He's been in a lot of shit horror movies, apparently. Yes, that's he what has. I saw when I was looking through his filmography. Like I said, that's why I was like, I don't want to tar this guy's name because he's not a. I mean, he's he's not a bad actor. He's not a great actor, but he gets work and does a lot of horror films, like you were mentioning. But yeah, Daniel Baldwin. 
God, yeah. Where would I rank him? In the, I guess he's, he's got to be Alec third. would be the first Alex one. Alec's number one. Yeah, Alec's top Baldwin. It would be, you could argue either, was it William and then Steven? Would be the other two? Steven was in... Biodome. In, Biodome, that was it. I was almost going to say Encino, but See, I, Biodome, I, I, yeah. Steven's also the one oh. that's like super Christian he's now, also right? He's half-baked, isn't he? He's in one of the films where he's talking about where you can make like bongs out of... He's like, oh, give me this, give me that. And I can make a bong. Oh, out was of he it. the MacGyver smoker? Yeah. Oh, he might be. I'm trying to think. What, I don't know if it was half baked, but he was in one of those films where he does all that shit. Isn't he super Christian now? Oh, he's super duper, like reborn. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. That, that I think that's where William kind of takes that spot because he's more handsome. He got more of the uh, the looks of the family, I suppose. Yeah. Because Daniel's kind of just like poor man's Alec. It's right? exactly what he is. <laughs> I mean, like I'm saying, he's not a bad guy or anything like that. I mean, he's gotten into Dude, trouble he, and all that shit. From but. what I can see here, like, not I'm not going to lie. Like, I haven't seen a lot of his shit that he's been in, apparently. I, I had to dig either. deep into his filmography. Oh, I am lying. There's a couple of things that I have seen. One of them is he plays, like, just a small part in the film. It's called Nothing But Trouble. Has Chevy Chase That's what and I was going to say. There was two things that, that was in my childhood I would have seen him in. One of them's Nothing But Trouble, which I'm debating. That movie's one of the scariest things I've ever Ever seen in my life but i don't know wild... if it, i don't know if it counts as a horror movie but that movie is, is but, yeah. one of the scariest movies i've ever seen in my life it's understandable because of the figures the characters in that film are, are really disturbing yeah that movie used to fuck with me when i was a kid but i would have seen him in nothing but trouble and i would have seen him in 1994's car 54 where are you yeah, I would have seen it. That's That's um, nice. But the thing is, Motherfucker works all the time, especially in the last few years. It's just not stuff I watch. He's been a hustler. He works on the, the show He's, Hawaii Five-0, right? Mm-hmm. He worked on the show Grimm. Right. Uh, Great Gardens, Cold Case. King of the Ants was, a, I think, a horror film that he worked on. Somewhere in the 2000s. I think 2003, I want to say. Yeah, he's probably got like 30 credits between like 2013 and now. Easy. When I'm looking at shit here. It's just not things that I've seen. They're not going to be your grade A-level productions. He does like independent films, more B-side of films. But he you gets know, some work. Some of them don't look bad, though, honestly. No, I'm, saying, I'm not saying there's anything yeah. wrong with that. I'm just saying he gets work, but he's not going to be in mostly mainstream work. Like, you're not going to see him on the big screen, perhaps. And if you do, it's probably going to be in a side role. So we have Woods. We've got the Baldwin. Yeah. Next Famous Down. And probably the next most important of the story. Which we also mentioned last week that it's going to tie it back to us here in Missoula. Right. Send you back to Missoula, Montana. Fucking Cheryl Lee, Laura Palmer herself. Yeah, she plays Katrina in this film. Um, but it is Laura Palmer. She also plays her lookalike. I think it's her cousin on the show as well as Madeline Ferguson. So other people might recognize her for playing a dual role on Twin Peaks. But she was also in the film Fire Walk With Me, which I don't want to get too nerdy about Twin Peaks. But if you watch that before the show, then the show makes complete sense. Although the film came out after the show. Okay. Because they switched more than Boyle's I'm going to admit to being character. a bad nerd, and I still haven't went through all of Twin Peaks. I've watched the first episode. I loved it, but I just had a lot of shit going on at the time, and I, I haven't set the time aside to go through it all. I completely understand. It's one of those that at the time, I was working at my public library, and we had the box set there, so I got to breeze through them. Like I mm-hmm. binge-watched those and some other shows, but I did find a copy of the tape okay. of Firewalk With Me, so I watched that before the show, and so when I did watch the show, because of certain events, events that happen in the film precede a lot of the things in the show so the movie gives you the whole setup to the show okay yeah so that's why it makes more sense but anyhow that's why i didn't want to nerd out too much for those who haven't seen it 
but you would be familiar with her work in that. She also was in Wild at Heart, which these are all David Lynch productions and films. So I realized when I was looking through, I'm like, man, I feel bad because, I mean, I would have seen her at the very end of the first episode of Twin Peaks when they find the body. Or yeah. when, or whenever they find it. No, it's like very first. Yeah, very. I guess they find it. I, the yeah, first I guess they minutes. find it at the very beginning, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's how. That's, that's how it whole, opens that's how, up. That's the whole setup to the show. Yeah. So I would have seen her then. Wrapped in plastic. In plastic. But there was one other place I would have seen her that actually ties into this movie for me. Okay. Because this movie came out right about the same time I was entering puberty, starting to try to jerk one out. This movie's got some sexy scenes. Okay. Used to rent this movie a lot. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. She was in an episode of Zalman King's Red Shoe Diaries on Showtime. I, I, I'm glad you said so. I mean, not glad for for some reasons, but I'm glad that you brought that show up because it was one of those shows in the 90s, early 90s, all the way up through the late 90s. David Duchovny. David Duchovny did get, I think, I'm not sure if it was his start, but he had a recurring... David Duchovny, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, recurring episodes he was on mm-hmm. on Showtime. This is a Showtime Softcore porn, basically. Yeah, I mean that's why when we we talked about some of these exploitation films, mm-hmm. and you talk about Emmanuel's, like, oh, oh, <laughs> I know what that is. It's basically like penthouse letters come to life, it, essentially, and it's very softcore porn is essentially what that is. But I would have seen her on that. I'll admit it. I probably <laughs> I probably did too, and not recognized her at that time period. But I would have, you know, I know who she is now. Here's uh, something too. I want just real briefly yeah. want to mention about here. Here's something that we probably both had heard her in but not seen her in because she did some voice acting in ah real monsters that's right and uh, i, love I that did show, see man. that show's fucking yeah dope. i love ah real monsters it's a really good show it's almost like a very light-hearted horror cartoon show for children probably teenagers mm-hmm. that was on nickelodeon right. in the late 90s right i mentioned tim guinea he's you in did. this you sure did <laughs> besides james woods he might have went on to have the most successful career out of all of when them. When I saw his credits, I would I would tend bit to agree roles, with you. but tend big to, movies. Tend to agree with you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he did he all the Iron Man movies. Yeah, I wrote that down. Both Iron Man one and two. He's going to be in the Punisher TV series. It's coming out on Netflix. Yeah, he was on Homeland. He did work on Hell on Wheels. Uh, Elementary. Nine, yeah, Ninety Nine Homes. Elementary is a good show. Couple episodes of Bones. I mean, but yeah, if you look at his work, it's in well known. And probably shows up, it would get him a lot of exposure. He seems to be doing pretty good lately. So, good on him. I mentioned that he was also in Blade this same year. I don't know if that's coincidence or just good timing for him. And once again, I actually get to bring up Blade on this, because I don't think otherwise. I'd say even this movie's riding the line Was it the second bit. Blade, you said? No, he's in number uh, first, one. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, 98. Okay. Last time I got to mention number two. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, that's a GD. Both of those involve vampires. A little bit too action-y for this podcast, I'd say. None of them are good horror. for like the the offshoot the subgenres. Yeah, no, neither of them are horror. They're action films that happen to star vampires. Yeah, and that gives it that horror aspect, I suppose. Yeah. But it's not even really this horror. one's riding the line. I agree. This one's action western, but. John Carpenter is a master of an, of horror enough that there's he can enough effects. Yeah, there's enough gory effects and enough tension built during some of the scenes that I think you could argue this one's horror as well. Yeah, and I, I kind of wrote it as a mashup of, like you mentioned, like a western action and horror. You get a little bit of all of it. Well, that's Tim Guinea. Yeah, he plays the father Adam Gateau. Now I know that there was at least one guy that you wanted to mention. Well, there's a few. There's a few. But there's uh, somebody that I noticed in the, in one of the very bit parts in this that shows up in a cameo. Yeah, I there's there's a few I wrote down that I really recognize because like I'm a few years just a few years older than you. 
Anyway, one guy I didn't want to mention was the guy who plays the master. I don't know if I should mention the master's name right now. Or... Oh, no, yeah, I got four. Okay, right. the master's name in the film is Jan Valak. Mm-hmm. He is, his name is Thomas Ian Griffith. He did movies like Triple X with, is it Vin Diesel? That's Vin Diesel. Yeah, he was in a couple of shows or movies called Another World Excessive Force. So he did some work in the late 80s. He did Behind Enemy Lines. All right, here's a film that I wanted to mention that fucked me. That's funny because I watched this film a lot when I was younger. Okay. Because it was a part of a franchise, and that franchise is the Karate Kid franchise. He was in the third film. Do you know the character that he played on that movie? Because I do. I know specifically who he played, and that's why I laughed. Which one was it? Was three the one with... Three is where Daniel... I mean, it, it's still Ralph, Ralph Macchio. Oh, okay. Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita still plays Mr. Miyagi. This guy was, he had money in the film, this guy, right? And what he was doing is he wanted like this protege, mm-hmm. this kid that was really good in California. Like he was winning all these awards while Daniel was taking time off because Daniel was like helping Mr. Miyagi with his shop and they were doing more like bonsai work. Oh, this is, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. so it was more focused on the bonsai tree. Mm-hmm. It had more of a meaning in the, the film but anyway this guy Th- thomas he hired this other kid to try to beat up daniel throughout the film so that he could force daniel into a tournament at the end to figure out who the best karate kid Kids. was in california but the guy was so sleazy in the film and then mm-hmm. i saw him you know in this as, film i was like yeah, oh my god this makes perfect sense <laughs> Nice. So that was just a weird connection, man, because I, I watched that film, Karate Kid Part 3, I don't know how many times. And I think a lot of people do forget it, it is a part of the series. <laughs> character's name was Mr. Terry Silver, sleazy guy in that film. The other guy I did want to mention, although it's not one of like the main guys I want to mention, but this guy is really interesting because he has a, a long history of film. Although he doesn't have a huge part until the end, really told the end of the film. I think I know who you're going to bring up. Is the Cardinal Alba, played by Maximilian Schell. And this guy had some really interesting roles. He's been in some yeah, really cool shit. Yeah, he's kind of a get for this movie, if you know who he is. I guess for like some of his modern roles, he was in Deep Impact. Uh, he was in a, a film, I think I want to say in the 70s maybe, or 60s, called The Black Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a black and white film, Judgment at Nuremberg. He was also, I think an HBO did a Stalin mini-series, or like even a documentary-style film. But he played Lennon in the Stalin oh, adaptation. Yeah. He was in The Freshman with Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick. And some of the other films I wrote down was like Bridge Too Far and a film called Julie. So those are some older films. But this guy was like, for a German actor, he was one of the most prominent English-speaking German actors, I think, ever. So he had some really... Yeah, like really... I said, kind of a get for this movie. Yeah, I mean, for like I said, for this film, he might not be, you know, recognizable for some people. I didn't really know who he was until I looked into his credits, and I was like, holy shit, this guy was really... He had some really good credits all yeah. the way throughout his acting career, so I did want to mention him a little bit. I did realize that this probably would have been the first time I ever saw Mark Boone Jr., who's in this movie for a bit. Yeah. You may recognize him as being Bobby Elvis in Sons of Anarchy. Which ties back into last our episode again. Ron. Got Ron Perlman, yeah, um, and the fact that I'm a giant Sons of Anarchy fan. So, so there you go. Like, it's kind of fucking Bobby Elvis. It's cool. You get to close it out with another mention of Sons of Anarchy. He's got a lot of really cool credits. We talked about he's been in Rob a lot Zombie, of you know, off of our our podcast just in, in mentioning, but he was in Halloween Part Two. He was in Thirty Days of Night, which is another Josh Hartnett film we talked about. He was on a show on HBO with Toby Huss, who was in The Adventures mm-hmm. of Pete and Pete. He played Artie. But Boone, was he was in the show called Carnival, 
that was on HBO. Oh, it right. got kind of cut short, man. That that show was so fucking good. He has a very small part in one of my favorite movies, Wrist Cutter's Love Story. Oh, that film is really good. It's mm-hmm. really good. But yeah, I did see his credit in that. He was in Batman Begins, Memento. That was another good film. He was in the film Seven. Yeah. He was. I just said the Adventures of Pete and Pete. He was actually in an episode of Pete and Pete. Oh wow. Yeah. I was That's like, cool. Oh shit. Shit. That might have been the first place I seen him then because I used to watch. He shit also, out if you Pete look at Pete. his film credit, not that I know anything about this, but I found it a little coincidental, maybe ironic, that he was in a film called Montana. Oh. Cool. I was like, I gotta write that down. That's a little, that's interesting. Now, I know Gregory Sierra did a whole bunch of old-timey TV. He, yeah, played, he played Father a, Giovanni. He played a big part in a movie with uh, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman in the 70s. It's a really fucking good, it's kind of depressing. It was a really good film. Mm-hmm. Might even be late 60s, but it's called Papillon. Okay, never film. seen it, but. I know Mary Posthouse means that, but. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that film's really good. He was in episodes of The X-Files. He was in the movie Honey, I Blew Up the Kid with Rick Moranis. He did a, at least an episode of Sanford and Son. I'm oh, he did sure. several of them. Yeah. That's where I recognized him. I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where I probably I, I saw think, him. Yeah, and I think that's why I, we were kind of talking about some of these actors we recognized. And I was like, dude, I had a, a feeling that was him. And then I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that was totally him. So if you're familiar with Sanford and Son, he played Julio, kind of like the, um, I don't know, was Puerto Rican or Cuban. Mm-hmm. He, he was the stereotypical Latino on the show. That's right. Okay. The Hispanic. And honestly, there's no one else that I could have picked out again. Actually, there was one guy. There was one guy in particular I did pick out. He does not have a huge part in this film. He's in it. You would recognize him because he's the only, basically the only Asian guy in the film. Oh, okay. All right. This guy's name is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. He plays, even they give him a name, but you don't even fucking hear it. It's David Dio. He was in Planet of the Apes as Kroll, the more recent one. He was in Mortal Kombat. Oh, shit. As fucking Shang Tsung. That was him? Yeah, dude. He's in the show, the more recent show, The Man in the High Castle. Right. Right, he's in that. He was in Kubo and the Two Strings, the animated movie. So people who have children probably recognize recognize him in this. Dude, I'm telling you, I recognized him, and I'll explain why I recognized him. I'll keep going. In Kubo, he plays the voice of Hashi. He's in 47 Ronin. He's in a comedy that I find hilarious. I I recommend people watch it because shit's funny. It has Dan Fogelberg. It's called Balls of Fury. Oh, yeah. He's... Two other films. Wait, I, no, I'm, tr- I'm trying to pull this out of my ass. I'm not looking at my notes. I'm not even looking at my screen. But if I remember right, he's the grandfather on Johnny Tsunami, the Disney Channel original movie. I think you might be right, man. <laughs> that is fucking funny. The other two films, one I'll mention because I don't think I ever would have recognized them, but I do know the film because I've seen it, especially in the 80s when it was huge. He was in the film The Last Emperor. Which, like I said, was a blockbuster okay. film. Huge fucking film in the 80s, mid-80s specifically. But he was also in a John Carpenter film in the 80s. And I mentioned with Kurt Russell, because he was in Big Trouble in Little China. Right. He's in The Phantom. Yeah, dude. This there guy we has... go. Fucking Johnny Tsunami. High five. What? You called it. What? Had to look that up. So I did see him in the film. I recognize him. Like I said, he doesn't have a huge part. But this guy, we had to mention him because he has a fucking huge... Film credit, and he's been in a lot of recognizable things for a lot of Pearl people. Pearl Harbor? Yeah. This guy is super recognizable. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how I didn't see that it was him in this movie, though. Like, so, th- there's only so recognizing I mean, I feel there's only so many Asian actors that they use in Hollywood, unfortunately, for Asian actors. I have an advantage over you mm-hmm. a little bit in that department because I am quarter Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I recognize Asians maybe a little bit quicker than others. 
There, uh, there is one other cameo in this movie, though. Yeah. That is highly worth bringing up because of who this person is. There's a part in the movie, this isn't too spoilery, okay. where they have to steal a Buick from a guy. Okay, yeah, I did recognize him. The guy's name is Frank Darabont. Most people would probably not recognize his face at all. However, Frank Darabont is a writer on The Walking Dead. He was a writer on The Green Mile. Wow. He was a writer on The Shawshank Redemption. You just named two. He was a writer on the 1988 Blob. Wow, that's a great film, dude. Uh, That's a good one. And fucking Dream Warriors. Yeah? That's the second time this week that film has been brought up to me. No coincidence. Not in this horror world, there's not. That's awesome. Is he was a writer on that? Mm-hmm. Awesome, dude. He wrote on all of those, and he's the guy that they steal the Buick from. I thought I'd recognized him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. I was like, there's no way they just put him in here just for this bit part. Unless he has some street cred. I think on Walking Dead, he might even have, like, creator credit, or, like, developed by credit or something. That's I'm not sure. Dope. Along with Kirkman and them, obviously, but... You know, as far as our cast, that's what I've got on notes. I did want to breeze through, like, the production and all that other stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we bullshit a little bit about that. It's interesting. Music by John Carpenter. Yeah, so you got to think. Director, music by John Carpenter, like you mentioned. Writers, this was based off a, like a novel, I suppose, by uh, John kinda, Stakely. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Vampires the with a dollar sign at the yeah. end. Yeah. Vampire yes. cha-ching. Cha-ching. Which... You know, like I said, they made a little profit off this. But Dan Jacoby wrote the screenplay. He wrote some interesting shit. I don't know if we'll get to mention them later on. Maybe we should mention them right quick because I do want to mention a few of these films. Kind of interesting. He worked on Evolution. I really like that movie. That movie's fucking dope. It has, we just talked about Duchovny. It has one of my favorite kind of goofy actors, but I really like him. Sean William Scott. Love him, man. Especially yeah. in Goon, oh, yeah. dude. Fucking goddamn it, man. That movie's so good. Dude, Orlando Jones. Yeah, Orlando Jones. Who was amazing. And one of the best speeches ever on that second episode of America. He also did um, <laughs> fucking Double Team. He, uh, he was responsible for some work on Arachnophobia. Huge film. Life Force. <laughs> and really, this is an interesting story because this is kind of based... Tom Hooper's Life Force. Life Force. This next one I'm going to mention is... Take it for what it's worth, but there's some reports on kind of like time travel and disappearance of large objects. This one is the Philadelphia Experiment. So this is about a, like a mm. Navy vessel mm-hmm. or a ship that disappeared in plain sight and then later reappeared with, I think the, whoever was on deck, I think they disappeared when they came back. We should look into that, but I think, I remember it vaguely because I did see it sometime in the early 2000s. One of my friends is really big into like the paranormal and all that okay. stuff. So I took it upon chance to watch it. It's not a bad film. It's not super memorable, but the story is because it's loosely based on facts. Okay. So he was responsible for some of the writing on that. But that's some of the credits I did want to mention for this particular guy. Our cinematographer is Gary B. K- I don't know if it's Kibi or Kebby or Kybe, something, something like that. We're trying. Me. We're trying, man. You can throw these curveballs at us. <laughs> anyway, he did work on uh, Prince of Darkness, They Live, In the Mouth of Darkness, Village of the Dam, and Escape from L.A. So he's done some other John Carpenter films and some horror films as well. Our editor, because I do like to give credit to editors, is Edward A. Warshilka. He did work for Child's Play 3, The Running Man, Big Trouble in Little China, and 13 Ghosts. Okay. So there you go. Running Man. I like that movie. This is a huge one. I would feel like an asshole if we didn't mention these guys because this is big names. Are you about to say the effects team? You know I am. Can be. 
Yeah, man. Makeup effects, Howard Berger, Robert Kurtzman, and Greg Nicotero. And there's a particular scene where, for me, watching that scene, fucking dead giveaway. And I'll mention that when we get in the next section. Dead giveaway. A little bit of that, but there's another scene I'll okay. mention. Visual effects, Jennifer Law Strump. Digital effects, specific title digital. Produced by Sandy King, production company's film's office. JVC Entertainment Networks, Largo Entertainment, Spooky Tooth Productions, and Storm King Productions. Distributed by Columbia Pictures. Budget, about $20 million. That's a pretty reasonable budget for this film. It's almost a two-hour long film. We do have to mention that, too. Right. It's a pretty uh, long film. When it came out, it was number one. It had like a $10 million opening weekend. That's pretty fucking decent. it fell decent. off really steeply. At a $10 million opening weekend, it probably should have ended up at a little bit higher than the $20 million that it raked in. But I agree. it brought in enough overseas. It was more of a success than it initially looks like. That says a lot about certain markets. You know, it might not always do well over here in the States, mm-hmm. but it could explode in Japan or in parts of Europe or, you know, parts of South America. It just depends. There's different audiences for different films. And well, and the thing is, like, that was a little bit more rare then, but we're starting to see that actually happen more and more. Like, we're getting a Pacific Rim, too, because it did fucking, the first one did gangbusters in China. Yeah, dude. If you do something like that in a market that fucking huge, you can't help but get attraction to do sequels and enhance the franchise. They're going to keep doing those Fast and Furious movies, whether you like them or not. <laughs> yeah, I like to say, you don't have to like them because other people are going to like them. Vin Diesel does something really smart. I heard it pointed out on a different podcast that there's a part in all those movies where he almost includes somebody from almost every other continent. It ends up doing awesome internationally. Because he's pulling people from all these different regions of the world. And I'll bring, in, I'll bring in like a giant like soccer star and like... That's genius marketing really yeah. it really is i mean it'll still do huge here oh yeah but when you look at the worldwide Ooh. it's doing huge money just Ooh. all the money just... we all know we know the meme right shut up take my money yeah just <laughs> yeah so, so when you multiply that like i said with continents and recognizable stars here 98 the, the that, that wouldn't have happened as much but no. it, it was enough so that i mean this movie did get a couple sequels that i never watched i know that one my of them gosh. has bon jovi oh fuck i Dead or alive, man. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. But, you know, we talked about the gross. It, it pretty much broke even here in the States. I think it raked in like a little over 20 million, 20.3 million, whatever. But worldwide, it doubled, almost doubled its money, uh, 40 million worldwide. So, like you said, it had a larger gross overseas. Mm-hmm. Good credit. Released, like you said, October 30th, 98 here in the States. To my relief, because, you know, I love doing these things here, it's a tagline. There's a fucking tagline. There's a lot of them. I don't want to do all of them. Do all of them because most of them most of them suck. They do. I did find one because you know I'm a stickler for kind of shit like this, man. Um, I did can I can say I got a little bit of mahogany for this one (laughs) because you know I've been fucking striking out in the last two films. What were the odds of that? Okay, so our taglines for John Carpenter's Vampires of 1998. The first one I have is the blood confrontation of the ages is about to begin. Eh. Sorry. That's fucking terrible. Number two. The final confrontation between good and evil has begun. Also terrible. Yeah, I think I'm getting blue balls. <laughs> the third one. They've been around for 600 years, and they're very, very thirsty. Better than the first two. Still bad. Better. The fourth one. This one is kind of generic, but I think this one kind of fits the bill. From the master of terror comes a new breed of evil. I don't... I, it's questionable. The tagline itself is questionable. But it's it, better than the rest of them. All right, and then this one, this one, prepare for the dawn. 
Do you know which that one I kept as my tagline on my, my notes? I would have said prepare for the dawn. Nope. No, no. Nope. Which one did you keep for your notes? I went well, probably not with the, the cheesiest, but maybe the second cheesiest in secession was they've been around for 600 years and they're thirsty. Very thirsty. I think prepare for the dawn might fit a little bit better. It fits the bill for this. I think that one would be probably more appropriate for an actual poster. Yeah. I like that one because it's And you can take that one on. Prepare for the dawn works on a couple levels too when you know this movie. It does. It does. Like I said, I think that one fits the credits that's, the bill. That's the best one, in my opinion. I like um, it. Okay, so we already alluded to the fact that, especially compared to the rest of the vampire movies we've been doing, oh, yeah. this isn't that extreme of a movie, but comparatively, it's way worse than anything we've done in the past three weeks. There's a good bit of gore. Pretty good gore. It's can be effects. We talked about who the effects team was, so you have to expect that. There's tits. Yeah, there's bit titties. Of sexy times. There's sexy times. I like sexy times. A lot of language. There is a lot of language. James Woods cusses up a storm. I think in films like these with James Woods that aren't cartoons, Mm -hmm. you're going to get some lip from him. We said gore, violence. Gore, violence. Titties. titties. Boobies. Breasts. And language. Language. I'm trying to think what else. It's a vampire film, so there's that. Yeah, there's vampires. pretty obvious fucking name. It's vampires. And it's kind of a western. It Be is. prepared for that. It, it, it does have the pacing of a maybe spaghetti western or western. Not really a spaghetti way. western. It has a little, the pacing a little bit more of like an American yeah, western. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, um, which, eh, I'm a bigger fan of the spaghettis, but whatever. I am too. But outside of that, I'm, I think also, I'm always down yeah. for a good western. And well, we'll get it. Anyway. I'll put it this way. If they make it into the next section of our, you know, this episode, then if we've come upon something that we forgot to mention, we'll, bre- we'll bring it up right okay. beforehand. So All right. So stick with us. Stick with us. We're going to get into how this made us squeal. I'm ready to squeal. I'm, I'm past all these guts and bolts. I'm ready to squeal, too. How does that make you squeal? Woo, how does it make us squeal? Squealing. But here we are. We're squealing about John Carpenter's vampires. Yeah, this we is my pick. 33rd uh, film. Mostly for the nostalgia reasons for me. so I'm glad you do that. I've talked about this in the past where a lot of my early horror movie watching was because at a certain point my mom started working at the convenience store in town and they rented movies. And one of the perks of her job was, you know, there was like a movie numbering system so they could keep track of their inventory. Yeah, makes sense. Once a movie was 40 numbers old, she could rent it for free. Oh, nice. So on my way home from school, I would just stop in at her work. She would tell me what number it was up to, and any number you gotcha. know b- before depending that, on the film, right? you know, yeah. depending on the film, any number before that, I could just grab, and she'd sign it out for me, and yes. I'd fucking take it home and watch it when I got home. And so this movie and one other horror movie that I'm not going to mention because we've mentioned possibly doing it in the future. Okay, at some yeah, point. we'll hold off. If there's nothing else that looked good, this is my default. Awesome. So I probably ended up watching this movie. 20, 30 times. Easy. Easy. More than that. It was familiar, right? And you said that it, it got checked out apparently a lot. By me. Yeah, that's Like okay. I said, like, at a certain point, like, sometimes it was because there was titties. Who doesn't like that at a certain age? Males. Maybe TMI for some of you, but honestly. Yeah, I But mean, the other thing was, was I was just always... We've talked about it a number of times across all these vampire episodes was 
that was kind of my thing. Like, I loved that shit growing up. Like, vampire, I loved all the different vampire stuff, but especially, like, the vampire hunter stuff. This and Blade coming out in the same year. Blade was fucking huge for me. I mean, behind you, you can see I have fucking Helsing. Oh, yeah. Vampire Hunter D. Solomon Kane, I guess, technically, would be kind of like a supernatural hunter. But yeah, no, I, I'm Like, that's always been yeah. kind of... I've always loved all that shit. I used to have a collection of elementary grade young adult vampire short stories where they were all vampire themed and there was one that was almost like a little kid version of this where it was like a bunch of kids discover that there's some vampires in this place and they take it upon themselves to go try to wipe it out yeah and it reminds me a lot of the team in the beginning of this movie that's pretty cool i guess what i'd like to do maybe a little bit before we get right into the film Mm -hmm. is because this is our last film not our last foray but our last film in this little series that we're doing Maybe we can talk about, like, maybe our first introductions into vampires. Like, what got us into vampires? Yeah, for me, it was... I went from literary side. A lot of my introduction into horror was reading in the library about, like, folklore monsters. I guess in a big, huge roundabout way, it was... I was fascinated by seeing the Ray Harryhausen claymation Greek myths. Myths got me into monsters... Monsters got me into folklore. Reading about folklore, there was always sections in those books about how these things were being adapted in the modern day. It was usually only a very small chapter. Sometimes, depending on the book, it was only a paragraph. But they would always mention, like, the universal monsters were the big ones because you have Dracula as one of the huge, huge foundations of all that. Because, as we talked about when we touched on... I mean, we have done a little bit of, you know, a little bit of discourse... Yeah, as as we touched on in the Count Dracula 1970 episode just a couple episodes ago, the book almost fell out of knowledge until they made the movie. As soon as they made the movie, the book's never been out of print. That's amazing when you think about that. Like, all it took was a little boost, maybe a more visual representation, because we are visual creatures. We have eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. can't help it. I mean, I think that's that's interesting, because like, so you and I both come from, you know, from different backgrounds in terms of our knowledge and how we come into the horror genre. When I think about vampires, right, I mentioned some of my favorite films and some of the early films. Not that it's a big surprise, because I know we'll get to it. And if people don't know it by now, they should. But one of the big ones is Lost Boys, growing up watching that mm-hmm. film. Another one, which like, so we'll probably get to at some point, is The Monster Squad, because oh, they, they yeah. do use that universal pictures version of Dracula. Of the because yeah. they're all universal monsters coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not giving away too much. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can those tell two that films, just by looking at the fucking cover. And one movie. of my favorite films, because we have talked about there's a remake or a re-adaptation of the film, is The Fright Night. Yeah. So those three films growing up kind of started my curiosity with vampires. And then when the Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula in 92 came out, that was like the, the deal breaker. So I, I came at it from more of a horror film angle, and then I got into the literary side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I discovered the, the mythology, or not mythology, but the lores and folk tales and so, yeah, I kind of came up from a different perspective. Right. And see, so for me, a lot of those movies weren't still being carried at the place ah, because there was yeah. only a limited inventory. So, well, yeah, there, yeah, was some, there was yeah. some old movies that they'd always keep around, and sometimes they'd switch around some stock on but those. But you have to go with what you know. But then you'd also have to go with the new movies and yeah. stuff. And, you know, and they'd keep some depending upon number of times they were rented or whatnot. I'm pretty sure I was probably the reason they kept some of those movies <laughs> as long as they did. Yeah, it's okay. To be honest. Kept them in rotation. So I kind of had a 
And especially growing up in such a small town, small area, not much access to media of any kind, it was grab whatever I could get. And this was one of the first things I could just grab anytime I wanted. No big deal. And it was actually some of the earliest, like, not introduction, I guess, to vampires, but, like, what, what I spent a lot of time just, like... I mean, I was, like, 11 at the time. I ended up having notebooks of just, like, <laughs> sketches of my own fucking vampire hunter shit based on, like, some of the shit that the team has at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it gave you something to work off, like a mm-hmm. template. Yeah, I mean, it's it's impressionable. It's understandable. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. Like That cu- being said, I don't think I saw have seen this movie until we watched it for the show since I was probably, like, 16 or 17. I have forgotten a lot of shit about this movie. <laughs> Honestly, I, kind of the same way for me. I don't think I've seen this since, if if I'm being honest, probably since the early 2000s. When I say early, like 2002, mm-hmm. 2001, maybe even 2000. It's been a long while since I've seen this as well. I, I had thought maybe going into this that it had been one of the ones that, that me and Jesse had downloaded. Because we both like James Woods. And there was a period of time where we were downloading Everybody quite a few horror movies and just fucking watching them and shit. And I thought that this might have been one of them. And as I started watching it, I was like, oh no, I fucking, I forget all of this. But it was the weirdest thing because as I started going through it, and as my brain sort of like primed up almost, yeah. it was like I'd start being able to call shit that would happen just not really far beforehand, but I'd start remembering it, and like 10 seconds out, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is right about to happen. Now I remember. And yeah, like, it it's starts to bring up, those like, memories back to you. And it all started coming back a little bit. And it's still, I didn't remember that James Woods cussed so much. He does have a potty mouth Which in I this movie. Which I don't give a shit about, but Language. it still surprised me. <laughs> and I, I forgot that he had such a fascination with the state of your dick. Yeah, he has a <laughs> lot of euphemisms in this film. I mean, it isn't, it's pretty blatant what he's talking about. And it's funny, man. Give me some wood. Yeah. When I was I punched you earlier. It's funny because he's and he's not only bullying, he's like mocking and antagonizing, but he's doing it in his way of a fucking a weird sense of humor angle. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but he's also being a bully. I mean, I guess he was hired because he could be savage. Yeah, dude. and he could be a shit. He's known uh, for his performances. Because Carpenter didn't want to have the normal romanticized gothic vampire he wanted them to be just these savage creatures predators living just tearing shit apart and eating things and he wanted somebody that could stand toe-to-toe with that so you got james woods i did notice something though because it kind of stood out to me even though this wouldn't necessarily like budget-wise fall into the same category as some of these other movies they would have a lot higher budget but it was very apparent to me that this was a pre-matrix movie (laughs) <laughs> that's funny yeah that's, that's a good point because it, it, it shows signs all over it you know i'll admit i was listening to some other podcast earlier this week and they were talking about that as kind of a landmark and i hadn't really thought about it before but the way action was done post matrix and pre matrix is very noticeable especially if you grew up watching movies in that time period and the way they try to do action in this movie it's very noticeable as Gosh. being pre matrix it's probably orchestrated to an extent, but it's not choreographed like other action films would later come to be. I mean, that's I think that's what a lot of those action films after the they Matrix, had to step the game up. Holy shit, man! May, maybe so not well. to like the extent of bullet time and shit, but, but truly still, yeah. across the board, action had to step its game up after the Matrix happened. It totally did. I mean, you you got to give it credit, but you're right. I mean, prior to that. You get exactly, essentially, what would be, a re- I think, a more realistic approach. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we have to be honest here. Yeah, that's the But thing. you get some good <laughs> schlocky shit out of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Dude, I, I mean, no, I, I love this to death. I just, it was kind of funny going through it at times. Like, I love Jan Valek, right? That's the name? Yeah. yeah I love his him. rampage through the fucking hotel room hey, towards the beginning. so good. Now, the beginning has them just, like, tearing through a vampire nest, which yeah, is... Yeah, and that's a, that kind of sets the whole standard of this movie. You have, like, most of the team that we talked about and a couple that we didn't talk about because they're basically there just to be killed by vampires later. And that's all it is. They're, they're just there as bodies. But, I mean, they, later on, they did some pretty cool shit. Some of them before that, too. So, the one thing that I kind of bug well, I guess it didn't bug me. But did they kind of seem almost all like amateurs to you? Like, they didn't quite know what they were doing. Like, maybe they hadn't done this that many times. I totally felt that. And part of that reason is when they're going into the very first house, the nest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even James Woods a little bit. Because he's, like, knocking over shit. And even he's giving guys instructions, you know, not so fast. You know, trying to be cautious. So you would feel like, hey, is this still brand new to them? Because they don't seem, like you said, they don't seem like seasoned professionals. Although, they've got all this high-tech shit. Cool cars, ish, ish. I mean, for the ninety-eight. Yeah, it, it's cool shit. Like, I, I like the, I like the ideas. They at were least behind fucking all the ramped weapons. up, fucking geared up, man. They were ready. Woods has the badass fucking crossbow, which I mean, you're like, yeah, fucking stake through the heart, crossbow bolt through the heart. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. That never actually works in this movie, even though they keep hitting him with crossbow bolts in the chest. <laughs> Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah, it, it took a little while before they got him out. Before they it, it took it as a harpoon. Yeah, that's exactly what it's for. They use it to, I guess the, there's a cable hooked up to one of the trucks in a winch system. Yeah, and drags them out in the daylight. That's all that arrow is for, is to drag them out. But what's the difference between a wooden bolt through the heart? Uh, I don't know. The piercing size? Heart. I mean, the diameter of the, the wood? Because we see a stake through the heart work. Here's something. I don't know the guy who did this. Yeah, okay. I do want to give a credit. I have no idea who the guy is because I didn't write it down. I didn't research it. But the very first male vampire victim in that house yeah. who attacks them, that fucking guy sold his part. He did a good job. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he gets stabbed in the, in, right in, in, the his, fucking head. in his skull. Yeah. And even when James Woods is like, die, motherfucker, fucking die. The guy's like, he looks oh, like a vampire. Wait, by the look. way, once again, amateur move. Why did he stab him in the fucking forehead? I don't know, man. I James Woods shouting at this guy to fucking kill him. Yeah. You would assume that they've all been briefed on how to kill vampires, and they have this one literally pinned against the wall. <laughs> yeah, they fucking just him fucking up. trapped. He can't do anything to They're defend himself. They're doing everything except for what they should be doing. That, like you said, stabbing him in the heart. Yeah. What and he hell, stabs dude? him in the head, and James Woods has to be like, the go guy and get and fucking rip it out and it do it right. I thought it was funny because there is that comic relief a little bit because the way he kills the guy, he'll fucking mm-hmm. die. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but like the whole point after that is they set up what those guys are about. So they're dragging out these vampires one by one. Okay, so I thought that was kind of a neat idea, though. The sun is, in a way, way easier to hit with than a stake. You have more coverage. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot more can't coverage. Help it. Especially if they're stuck in a house. Yeah. So as long as you get them outside, they're fucked. So they just keep harpooning them and winching them outside. Get them on out. And, and that's they where... they burst into flames. That's where the Baldwin, Montoya, yeah. he comes in place. Because that's the what Baldwin he does. The Baldwin and the priest. The Baldwin and the priest, yep. And the first priest, because there is multiple priests. Priest. Yeah. First priest being our Sanford man... Sanford and son priest. Julio. Yeah, Julio. I can't remember... I, I got it written down. Father Julio. Father Julio. Juan Julio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's where they're they're running shit outside. But that was the other thing I'm thinking. Like these Giovanni. guys, Giovanni, Father Giovanni, Father yeah. Giovanni. Okay, yeah, there we go. I kind of figured though, like these guys, their main plan is already to use mostly the sun. They get one kill by stake. The rest is by sun. Exactly. 
They get the guy. That was the only staking. And that seems to be their entire plan, is just to set up the winch pull. Yeah, as safely effective. as they can. I'll give them credit. Which is cool. Like, like I said, I like it. It's a really neat idea. Have you seen anybody do that since? I mean, film since then? With that kind of Not system? Not that immediately jumps to mind. Me either, so that's unique. But I was kind of thinking to myself, like, if you have such coverage, it's the middle of the day when you're doing this attack, and they can't do anything to you while you're outside, so you have forever to set up and yeah. do whatever you need. You obviously have, like, really good funding, really good ideas on some of these weapons overall. Why not start by just, like, having some sort of battering ram to knock out all the windows first? That would make perfect sense. I was like, you know, if you really want to cut through the bullshit, why don't you just set the fucking house on fire? Scorch them out. That too. Whoa, I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking fucking knock out the windows because you're already using the sun. I mean, if you know it's a vacant home, that home was decrepit. It looks like it would have been vacant for who knows how long. And I was kind of, okay, was nice I was home. kind of wondering, because I couldn't remember exactly when they were first going in. Right. And I was wondering, are they trying to, like, maintain the property value on this? I are know, they trying right? to... They were very precise because they used that, like, little hole punch to They were very the precise until they just opened fire. Yeah, then they didn't give a shit And then when I was like, inside. oh, no, they don't care. Oh, I did mention... There was a particular scene where it stood out to me who did the effects work. Right? Oh, okay. With Berger and Kurtzman and um, Katero. There's a scene where the guy's was opening it the, the hand. No, there was oh. a, the guy. The I would think he's a Native American, maybe. Okay, he's the guy that's yeah. He, he opened like, the door. Yeah, yeah, he tells him like he's like be careful with that door. But what happens is that corpse falls out. When I saw the corpse, I was like, oh, oh that looks like a corpse from like Night of the Living Dead, part like two or three. It looked just like one of those zombies. I was like, oh, I could definitely tell who that was. You're like, oh, that that's can be. Oh, I was like, dude, that's perfect. But that stood out to me. I mean, just in terms of effects, I knew what that was from. Like we said before, this movie isn't quite full-on horror, but there's a lot of horror moments. There's a lot of good jump scares in this movie. There is, because as those guys are inspecting and... They're um, earned jump scares. There They're are. In good positions where somebody's doing something stupid. Uh, and... The first one... I think is when they were about to go, it looks like they open up the door to go into that cellar, and mm-hmm. then the lady jumps on that dude, and then that's when that whole shenanigans begins inside the house. That's probably your first true scare, like mm-hmm. jump scare moment. I, I even like the, like the lead up too, because he knocks over that like little can on the floor, and he's like, God. you can see, like he's telling all his guys to be quiet and take their time, but here he is still knocking over shit, making noises. So anyhow. So this is going to incorporate some shit from further on and stuff. Yeah, but yeah definitely. I thought it was kind of neat how there was different levels to the vampires, and you could even tell by how badly they blew up in yeah, the sunlight. Yeah, another good point. Another good point. Because the goons just sort of flamed Oof. out. Yeah. The masters would kind of flame out with red, not just yellow, and they'd explode a little bit more. And then, fucking, we're in the spoiler section anyway, but spoilers, when Volok bites it, he's a much bigger explosion than the Huge. rest. Yeah, compared to the rest, you're absolutely right. So it shows you, like you said, that the stage is maybe the hierarchy of the vampire. Can you become a master if you're a goon? Is it just... I don't know, is it like a mob system where you start off... You know, it's like a goon, like you said. Is it just like a matter of time? Like, if you've survived long enough? If you're stuck as a goon, do you have to stay as a goon? Because you're... We did kind of talk about that throughout some of these vampire series. Like, you know, how does that affect... Because Blackula kind of do know that Dracula and Blackula (laughs) dies. So why didn't Blackula die along with him? Because that's the guy who turned him. So you get to see a lot of that. So how can you have succession if the main one that bites you or turns you dies, then you would assume that you would die along with him. Or well, it. and it's not always die, but... Well, and they assumed that if they killed... Well, if you're already if turned, If they maybe. killed Valak before Katrina turned, then, then she save might have okay. saved her. So but once you're turned, sure. then you're fucking turned, I suppose. They, they did set that up. Yeah, in this movie, yeah, mm-hmm. they sure did. I almost want them to remake this. 
That's a good because film, there's man. some neat things really in this movie film. that they just leave to explaining to you without showing you. Like James Wood's character was raised by the church to be a master vampire slayer, and you don't see any of that. They just tell you it. I like how he and even... he's kind of a badass compared to the others, but he's still not that much of a badass. No, he's kind of like trial by fire, I suppose. Like he learns by actually going in and doing it. Not that that's a bad approach, but it's not a learned approach. Like, he doesn't really study it. He, he gets knocked around and, a lot, too. Yeah. So he's doer as opposed to somebody just in the background. But now, post-Blade, post-Matrix, if you were to reboot this with a character that was supposed to be raised by the church to become a master vampire slayer, Damn. we're going to have some badass sequences. Oh, they're totally dope ones, I would imagine. I thought it was kind of interesting how the vampires were kind of just human strength, unless they were masters. Yeah, I didn't notice that. They could jump a bit later on in the the movie. That was about it. It gave them hops. Maybe that was their way of saying, you know, we need to have some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of continuity with our character development. Like, okay, the Stooges should be just Stooges and they shouldn't have like super strengths like the rest Mm -hmm. of them. So maybe that's their way of preserving that hierarchy. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was neat, though, how there was, like, yeah, differences. No, and I, I, totally and I thought it was that. cool that becoming a vampire didn't automatically make you just, like, super badass either. Like, a lot of other Yeah, it didn't make you Valak strength or, like right. you said, somebody on up the cast system. And past that opening scene, too, you immediately go to the fucking party, basically. They're Valak's all celebrating. Rampage is awesome. Oh, man. I liked it, too, because as they're leaving that house, because they make note that they kill, like, X amount, like, seven stooges or some shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a word of eight or nine, whatever the number was. It, it was significant enough, but they did not find a master, and that was odd. Because usually there's a master that's preserving his nest. Right. Yeah, but what happens is you see a pair of hands come up out of the ground as the group is leaving. Then you have the scene Valak at the motel. Valak hang out in the nest. No, you, he hangs you out don't. Underground. Yeah, we, I mean, like I said, it's spoilers, but at first you don't really know who Valak is. You just see those hands, so you're presuming or assuming, yeah, hey, it might be the master. Yeah, he doesn't hang out inside the house. He has, he's fucking smarter than that. Anyhow, yeah, at the party, the motel scene, we do see that the sheriff is in on it, the priest is in on it, there's apparently Titties. some payoffs, there's, yeah, Hookers. there's, there's uh, liquor and whores, if people are familiar with Trailer Park Boys. They're all having a good time. One of the gals that's trying to get with James Woods ends up getting nailed by Valak. Valak. Yeah, I like how he, he does arrive at the scene. Laura Palmer. Yeah, that's, uh, she, what's her name? Cheryl Lynn. Katrina. Cheryl Lynn. I like the scene how, yeah, like I said, she's having hanky-panky with James Woods. He gives That's her the key. That's kind of a sexy scene, because they're kind of alluding to him eating her out, but he's not. He's biting her femoral. Yeah, it's pretty dope. The scene I liked is as she's entering that room, he's in the corner, kind of spread out, being Valak, and then he descends on her. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, but then he's going to the into her thigh. Any time that he's not facing James Woods, he's presented as being a lot more badass. Yeah. Like, he's doing way cooler shit. Whenever he faces James Woods, it's kind of like a couple normal punches and then maybe throwing him. Yeah, and then James Woods is sitting there talking shit the whole time. I love it. He's straight up talking shit. But otherwise, like, when he decides to go through the party, he, I mean, he starts off by fucking... Boone. Our guy Boone, right? Yeah, Mark fucking Boone Jr. Bobby Elvis gets halved. He goes out to, to get some beer. He's supposed to be going on a beer run. But you're right. As soon as he opens the door, Valak's standing there. He hits him in that gut, and then... Which rips, I was trying oh, to think. man. The vertical body slice is something that happened now in the course of history has happened in quite a few movies. It's probably the first time I saw it was in this movie. I'm trying to think. I, might, I may have seen it beforehand, but I'm not sure. I couldn't recall. I think possibly the first time I saw a vertical body slice was That's on awesome. Bobby Elvis. Kudos. Not positive, though. We're, we're talking first here. Yeah, it was a good first. But he rips. Dude, I love the way he rips through that party. Just Man, grabbing fucking so people, good. spinning their heads, fucking ripping out throats. 
if we're going to do vampires, not you or I, but if you know if a film's going to do vampires, and this being John Carpenter, you want the master to be savage. Mm-hmm. And he was. He fucking tore through that party, tore through all those guys. Him and his circle of masters, I'd say, aren't quite what Carpenter was going for. I'd say yeah. they are a little bit more the gothic vampire. They they're do just kind of slumming it because they're on the hunt. Yeah, good point. But they kind of felt like their like their clothes even seemed a lot nicer than everything else, and they sort of composed themselves and weren't just running fucking willy nilly at shit. And yeah, they were more composed. But you know, during that motel scene, the, the the kill scenes, we do get James Woods. Is it Jack Crow in the film? Jack Crow. He, he does the like the leap and shooting and shit crashes into the room. But the thing that really sets it off is the fact that Valak. We don't know Valak's name at first, but the master knows. Crow's name, Jack's name, being James Woods' character. And he doesn't know how. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck, right? I mean, But that means he, he knows, hey, somebody's selling me out. There. This is where the, the priest, the father, he fucks up, being Julio, Juan yeah, Julio. Yeah. He blasts Valak in the back with that shotgun, and then he gets his fucking brains blown out in front oh, of yeah. Woods. Yeah. I love the brains hitting the ceiling effect. Yeah, so and then they, they make that getaway, and that's where we get Montoya, we get Katrina, we don't know her name quite yet in the film, but Cheryl Lynn, and then James Woods. They take off in that truck. They grab her, she's bit, they know that she's going to form a mental connection, they yeah. plan to use her as a tracking device, basically. Yeah, she's kind of the bait and the link. But as they're making that getaway, you see Valak, he comes out, and he like makes his fucking giant leap onto the back of the truck, they're having a struggle. Mm-hmm. James Woods shoots him in the face or knocks him off. And then that's where you have that whole style of like the Western kind of build up where there's this chase. They're making this getaway. It has a pacing to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing throughout it. This is one of those movies where I feel like it was his most successful in the 90s already. But I feel like it had been even more successful and regarded more highly if it would have went one way or another, either more westerny or more horror-y, instead yeah. of balancing the two as much. Because it does make it a different type of film. And you can play things a little bit differently. But, I mean, I still love this fucking movie. Yeah, no, this that, is that was just really something that I thought of as I was going throughout it. Was yeah, no, they, if you went really one way or another it. a little bit more, it might have improved it even a little bit. But. I can see that. This kind of shows, like I said, depending on how much balance you want to put into a film, it could skew it a different way. There's a lot in the middle where they're just like trying to meet up. Well, they get split up, right? I can't remember if it's before that where we do know that the Cardinal, Cardinal Alba, he and another priest, the Padre Gato, they're coming into town for whatever reasons, right? Into, was it somewhere in New Mexico? Well, isn't that who Woods calls after they get split up? He does make the phone call that he needs backup and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Somehow they learn that they're, they're coming to town. But you're right. He does make the phone call. They do split up. He wants to what, get Katrina and Montoya at a, this particular hotel, and he's going to go back to do the cleanup. I know they have that, that split up there. Let's talk about each of their sort of paths, because okay, okay, one yeah. of them I want to address a little bit, because it's <laughs> kind of fucked up. <laughs> right, yeah. James Woods first, though. Like we said, once he's split up, however and whenever it happens, because the middle of the movie is kind of a little bit boring. Yeah, like so there's a really slow pacing to it. Like, he goes and meets the priests... Finds out Valix probably the first vampire. Yeah, they had a fuck up He's with him. He's searching for this, yeah, but they're not telling him why. No, they allude to a lot of things, but they don't reveal a lot. But hey, here's a brand new priest for you, who's Tim Guinea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He does a good job, man. He, he comes off a little, little much at the beginning, but I like his character later on. Oh yeah, me too. James Woods definitely doesn't trust him at all at first and mm-hmm. get, fucks with him quite a bit. The guy's asking him a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And that's when he's, he physically beats him up. jacks him up quite a bit. 
throughout the entire journey, and he's pretty antagonistic. They have a very abusive relationship. Time. It's pretty funny, though. It, um, it is meant to be very funny, because it is funny. And I mean, not the beatings are funny, but That's it's basically funny. their entire arc until they meet back up with Baldwin. Isn't that the scene in the truck where he asked the Padre? If he got wood when he was beating him? He yeah. said, hey, father. A little mahogany? Yeah, did you, get a little, did you get a little wood back there when I was beating on you? I thought that was funny, because he has his little comebacks. And I was reading some trivia on James Woods, and he was known for that, like his little snarky comebacks. Well, God, talking on things James Woods is known for, apparently he supposedly has an IQ of 180. Yeah, I heard he's like a super genius. I heard he scored a perfect score before the SATs like changed their scoring systems when yeah. it was still 1600. He scored an, a perfect 800 on his the language, language. And then he's like scored a 779 or something like that on mm. the math out of a 1600. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. But he's also supposedly hard to work with to some people. But him and Carpenter made a deal where he would give him at least one take that was straight from the script. And if that's what it needed, then Carpenter would come down on him for it. But otherwise, they would definitely always do takes where Woods got to improvise. That's cool. And a lot of his stuff was brilliant, and some made it. And there were some other times where Carpenter had to go with straight scripts. I don't know how your copy was, because I uh, I actually found the film doing a little DVD shopping, you know? There was a scene that kind of stood out because I think it might have been voiced up a little bit. Like, they went back in and probably re-recorded. And it's ADR. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was a scene where they're, they're in the van or the truck, James Woods, and I think the priest, the padre. And you can hear him having this dialogue, but it sounds a little echoey. Mm. And I was like, hold on. Mm. It's like, maybe they're... I'd have to re-listen to it. Yeah, maybe guess, they're but... doing that. But I, that's the only time I ever recognized it. But that lends maybe to the fact of the improvisation that he uses. Because mm-hmm. he has a lot of really funny scenes, man. He improvises a lot. Now, on the other side of things, Daniel Baldwin in the hotel room. Yeah, he's in there with Katrina, who we will find out. You find out it's... Yeah. He asked her name because she's all tied up butt naked to the bed. Well, that's the thing. While she's still unconscious, he... Apparently cleaned her her, bathes her, ties her face down on the bed. And then has enough time, too, to put proverbial duct tape over... I mean, literally the duct tape over her mouth. It's all still kind of boring, though. But the problem is is, is that what ends up happening is... He already first bathed her and shit. She wants to go get changed, but it's just so that, like, the vision started to hit her, so she decides to commit suicide, but... He pulls her in before she can do that. Is that... Yeah, she... Is that when he punches her as well, though? Yeah, because what happens is, he tells her while she's still tied up to the bed, he's like, look, this is what happened to you. He's like, you know, he was telling her how he helped her. Oh, yeah, he tells her everything. She got bit. You're gonna be a vampire. You remember. He has his... Yeah. We're gonna use you. Sorry, you're the bait, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But he tells her, too, like, he, he sets an ultimatum, like, you know, I will snap your fucking neck. He doesn't give a shit. But she asks, like you said, if she could take a shower, get her clothes. He has his weird little exchanges, like, all right, I've already seen you naked. But he's like, I won't look. She goes to change. He leaves the door a little bit open so he can still see. His problem was, though, he fell asleep on that little love mm-hmm. seat or whatever it was. And she notices that, and that's when she tries to sneak out and jump off the balcony. He catches her. Yeah, they crash himself. back into the window. Yeah, he gets that wound... And then that's when she bites him on that wound. And he fucking slugs her. Oh, man. He's like, what did you fucking do, you bitch? And then otherwise, it's basically just her tied up and exposition every now and then about vampires. Yeah. Until they all meet up again. But by the time they, they all meet up again, it cuts back to them every now and then sort of traveling together and shit. Yeah. By the time they meet up again, they're sort of presented throughout the script as being kind of together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, we definitely learn that later on, but yeah. A little and James bit. James Wood, even towards the it's end like, of the movie, hey, asked her today, like, hey, do you love her that much? All he did was fucking strip her naked, yeah. clean her up, 
make lewd comments and threatening remarks, fucking slug her across the jaw, and get turned into a fucking vampire. This sounds as fucked up what I'm about to say, so... <laughs> and they're supposed to be in love. Most of the movie, she's fucking tied to the Jeep and strung out like a fucking heroin addict. Yeah, she's always tied up, bound up. Yeah, and the rest of the time, like I said, she looks totally cracked out. And it's funny, too, because when she has those visions... I don't know if this is <laughs> this is how she does it, but it makes it look like she's having like multiple orgasms. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know she seizes up when she has the visions. But you're right, that relationship they have. I don't even know if she's a part of that. Like she doesn't give any you know illusions like they're no. having a relationship. No, she doesn't just at he, all. Just only him. he. <laughs> only just he him. Does. I'll take care of you, baby. She's like, bitch. I want to eat you. I want to eat you, Baldwin. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. No, she seriously looks like she's like going through bad withdrawals or something yeah i mean that's that might be yeah maybe his take on like hey and she still hasn't technically completely turned yet it seems no even she's still struggling end, with it yeah even because even by the end of the movie when she's still in daylight right yeah they're they're yeah. still in daylight both of them they're turning but they haven't got there yet completely yeah her and the baldwin spoilers fuck it at this point i don't care I mean, we've I already alluded to the fact that this, this is movie. our spoiler i mean this movie is a bit long it's all right it's the longest one we've done in the vampire franchise but it, it is a lot of build-up there's a lot of sequences a lot of montages i do like the scene where he does the cleanup you know oh, i like yeah the, the cleaning up the hotel yeah, room this and being off james woods and... yeah i thought it was funny when he was like dumping the heads how the heads were like kind of bouncing mm-hmm. in the fucking that little ravine there were some interesting things like up until the point where i think that he finds and when i say he valak finds out where the cross is at because they oh, yeah. finally find, find out about out the fucking cross. cross eventually you find out that the cross is part of a ceremony so that valak can complete his transformation and walk in the light yes so this and is so presumably that somehow be able to make other vampires that he would from then on turn that would make sense i would imagine also daywalkers daywalkers <laughs> but no it, that's the whole point of the cross the whole point of the movie in fact james woods makes a note of a map he has and it shows the pattern of the vampires in the, the southwest of america and they have this circular pattern so he's like hey they're looking for something what yeah, the fuck searching. is that what what are they searching yeah for? and then he finally comes clean and says that it's the cross of brasiers and brasiers is a, a town in france that hosted the cross and the, the cross that you just talked about Valid and then was a priest, they brought though, it to the states demon we didn't talk about this father yet but when katrina has an, a vision we do see where Valak is at a, a church and he kills this woman, like an older lady who's like the cleanup lady, maybe of the oh, church. Oh, and then the priest. Yeah. The- so the, the priest shows him the location. So we learn that that priest in Katrina's vision knew where, it was knew at. where that cross was at and he pointed the location to Valak. And that's the whole point while Alba and the Padre Cato, Tim Guinea, are there in well, the first then- place. I mean, going, I mean there's a lot going, of showing it. I know, going into the interesting parts, Valak <laughs> raises his like personal bodyguard of masters. Yeah, he gets like you said, a bodyguard of masters, and those fuckers are all master are, level. So these guys are supposed to be like. Did you like pants. his scenes of? Let me ask I like you this. I like when they first come out of the ground. Like that's what's gonna the, ask the filter that's on and everything, the way they make the fucking sky look and shit. I kind of like that. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of a cool take on not putting them in caskets or something traditional. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool, just coming up out of the fucking ground. It's like, ooh, I like that. And they go fucking slaughter the mission and get their hands on yeah, the cross and so everything. Yeah, so exactly. They find the exact location. They slaughter that whole village. Turn them all into fucking yeah. goons, apparently, because there's a lot of goons later on. when they. There are a shit ton of goons in that town. But they learn, apparently, like the location of where they're at. It wasn't in, like, Santiago. 
Yeah, I don't remember. He was a he was essentially in one town where that San Miguel maybe it was. I think it was San Miguel initially where the priest got killed. Oh, right, and that's where James Woods comes and then in. They and had to go. Okay. Yeah, they they find the what happened with the priest, and anyhow later on when that whole village gets wiped out, she has another vision of like they're in Santiago. She starts to get mm-hmm. those stronger links to him. But yeah, they get into that town. It's super vacant. She gets that sense that they might be in that prison, that jail complex. That starts that whole struggle with the masters. Well, yeah. Oh, hold on. Before that, they do have that that struggle at the village. They go there first and discover that it's gone. The cross is it's gone. gone. Yeah. It's the struggle with the masters. Oh, they're getting out of there. How does it go where the Baldwin ends up going off and gets bit by her and then he gets captured? How okay. does that all... Is that after they were fishing for those ones using the elevator or was that a little bit later after that? The, ele- the elevator fishing. Yeah. However, whenever that happens, it's Woods and the Priest, right? Yeah. It's got to be all three of them because somebody's got to be running the winch, right? So it's got to be before they get split up. Yeah, it is. You, like I said, you got Katrina strung up in the fucking Jeep. Mm-hmm. The Priest decides that he's going to sacrifice himself as the bait in that jail system. Because so they're in the town. Do, they're in the town. Any, so yeah, they're the still together parts. at that point. And they, they start to drag him out. And then that's when, that is when they split up. That's exactly when they split it, because when they come out of the prison, after all that shit happens... The sun goes down. Valak attacks them. Mm-hmm. All those vampires attack them, and that's when they have that split up. Yeah. You get Montoya and Katrina are still in that truck, and she tells him just to leave, and he does, and then that's when James Woods gets captured. So the one thing I was thinking is that their idea was to try to do this one by one and take out all the masters by basically fishing with them. Just lure them out out of that elevator. One by one into the elevator, upstairs. That's when you do see that super strength of that one female master Mm -hmm. vampire, yeah. Yeah, and it eventually gets fucked up. Did they honestly think they were going to be able to take on all set? They knew how many there were. And these masters are supposed to be masters for a reason. Did they really think that one by one they were going to just continually come after the priest into the elevator? There is that funny sequence. Like, so they get that first vampire out, the guy. And then when that lady, the vampire, she latches onto the elevator, the Mm -hmm. bottom of it, and she comes out. I thought it was funny where James Woods, like, he's, like, sitting there just fucking, like, shooting her in the face and stabbing her. He's latched onto her. I fucking love that scene, dude. That's one of my favorite in the entire movie. It's so epic. Fuck you, fuck you. And just unloads the entire yeah. clip into her fucking face. And All the way out to the fucking rolls outside. off just in time to not get exploded. Dude, I was thinking, how James Woods is that? You can't yeah. put anybody else in that scene and it give you the same effect. It's, that's James Woods right there. That was so... I, I fucking love that scene. That, that makes He has a lot of those movie. moments in the film. That's I love it. But it gets fucked up almost right away. And they get, like, two done. And that's about it. This, and then there's yeah, five left and snaps because of her, too, right? Yeah. And they end up having to go, and they don't even get out of there in time. And the Baldwin speeds ahead, which is a mistake because Chick bites him. Yeah. And Dummy. And because they also sped ahead, they weren't there to help out the other two, who get ambushed by Valak and the remaining five masters. Somehow, once again, masters are not that masterful and can't follow the priest at all, even though he just runs into the nearest building and hides behind a fucking counter. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? Like, night hasn't even completely fallen. Like, it's dusk. You can see a mile. 
Easy, yeah. At that time of day, yeah, you certainly he runs, can. They follow them out. He runs into the nearest building and hides behind a counter. Here's something else I, I do want to mention about some of this, some of the things you're pointing out to. There's another thing I want to point out. All right, I understand it maybe a little bit in context, but there's a scene where Valak is on the top of that train, like trying to get to the next town. It's like, motherfucker, I just saw you jump. Like, I don't know how far onto the back of that truck. Can you tell me you're gonna take a train? Are you fucking lazy bastard? I was just like, why are you crawling on top? If the sun breaks, you're right there. Yeah, you super fucked. Like, how badass would it be if he was riding underneath the train? Because he's immortal anyway. I would assume, okay, I can only assume it, that they're only good at jumping. They can't fly. It doesn't seem like they can fly. They can just jump like a motherfucker. Most of them don't have super strength. Some space jam jumping. (laughs) Except for his masters. Yeah. (laughs) Not all the masters seem to have super strength. Yeah. Only a couple of them and Valak. That's what I got. I would get that feeling off of that, too. That would make sense, yeah. Obviously, none of them can track worth a fucking dime. No wonder it took them so long to find the goddamn cross. Jesus, no Because they can't right? follow the priest. It's funny that Montoya, Daniel Baldwin in the film, he's telling a train, he's like, yeah, vampires are smart. That's why people don't know about them, can't find them. It's like, yes and no, because we do see they're not really that fucking bright. And then they capture Woods, Baldwin gets bit, the chick hasn't fully vamped out yet, but no. she's going and she's joining Valak. Yeah, she's all blood-stained, I suppose, from biting Montoya. When Woods comes to, he has my second favorite scene oh, of yes. mine in the entire movie. Like, the next ten minutes is my, one of my favorite things, because the entire time he's just a little shit to his captors. Dude. You get a lot of fucking exposition, and you find out the Cardinal's it starts the bad super guy. Makes sense, yeah. So the Cardinal Alba... Maximilian Shell. He sold everybody out. Because he wants to be immortal. He came to the conclusion that, look, I'm old, I'm faced with the inevitable, and that's death. So I have an option. I've never seen any miracles. This is testing my faith. I have little faith as there is, and I haven't seen any signs of God. So I made a deal with the devil, and in exchange I'll get immortality, life, eternal. I'm going to help him out, so I'll be one of the new breeds, so I'll be able to walk in the daylight still. Yeah, so fuck off. So you're like, oh, you son of a bitch. But the Baldwin comes too. Oh, you also were talking about Woods gets, mouthing off. Yeah, yeah, Woods is mouthing oh, off man. the entire time. Potty Fucking mouth. He's mocking everybody. In the, spitting in the Cardinal's yeah. face. I like that too. He spits at him. They need <laughs> him though as part of the, the ritual. The ritual. Yeah. It all has to be completed. Because he's a, a crusader. Time. Yeah, because they a need crusader. the blood of the crusader. And it all needs to be completed exactly while the morning rays hit and this and that. It's super fucking strict. You have to abide by those laws. So while they're having to wait and then do all that at the right time, the priest go gets a shoddy. Yeah, he sneaks into like one of the vans, right? Yeah, Baldwin gets his shit together. He even spies him with a couple times in the movie. Has to fucking cauterize his own wounds like a badass. I wanted. I'm glad you pointed that out because I was thinking those are some funny sequences too. Because the first one, what does he do it with? Do you remember like the The first first time? First one's a lighter. Oh, yeah, yeah, he just burns it on his, yeah, on and the his second forearm. one, he rails off he, a yeah, few a couple rounds, rounds with the, the machine gun <laughs> and presses the barrel to his fucking neck. To his credit, he's like, let me just seal the wound and yep. see what happens. To his credit, it makes sense. Not the most effective way, that no. fucking guy. But he's, but he he's useful, though. I'll give him yeah. credit. He's not too shitty. Basically, they show up in the nick of time because the ritual's getting done. Yeah, they even get um, some blood from, from Crow Woods. Woods, yeah. They feed it to fucking Valak. That's weird. Like, he starts to... Even the, the Cardinal Alba kind of looks, looks disgusted. Away. He's like, oh, this motherfucker. But then the priest shotties the Cardinal in the back. That was awesome. Goose. Yeah. And it, then he's about to blow his own brains out to make sure that they can't get him. Yeah, he's he's like, I got... Fuck it, I got nothing to lose. Well, Valak's like, well, fuck that. I gotta... I'm gonna burn your boy right here. Yeah. Being Woods. And Woods is like, hurry up here. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> my balls are at stake. Yeah, but anyhow, and this is when Montoya we, comes I was out about too. Say, then we basically get Devil rides out. Yeah, we do. Fucking yes. High five. I'm glad you said that because he does. He's like, there's even that slow. They slow it down a little bit. Yeah, he roll. He rolls up. He does a drive by, and he harpoons the cross. That I'm gonna have to talk to Chameleon and see if we can get that. Catch me riding dirty. Yeah. <laughs> He harpoons the cross that Woods is fucking staked to. Yeah, perfect shot, too. And rips him away so they can regroup a little bit further down yeah, the road. The... And remember, the timing had to be right on this, so the sun's coming up, too. Yeah. I do like the fact that the priests, at one point, they even ask him, like, you, you know, if you're going to be in, you got to be all in. And he's like, yeah, I'm in. You end up getting Woods and fucking Valak duking it out, and he stabs him with a cross and yeah. ends up doing another leaping dive to knock a pillar out of the way for some sunlight. Yeah, isn't yeah, they, they take retreat because mm-hmm. they have that big struggle, like that battle, and they all those vampires, they start flocking back into the prison as the sun's rising, like you were saying. Again, for having five masters in that group, they, they all bitched turned, out. they all bitched out. Dude, that as that's, soon as that ritual got interrupted, the they just fucking that fucked them up like for real once the the cardinal got blasted in the back and then woods got off the cross oh it turned to shit for them. once again master is not that masterful no. you're supposed to not be able to take on a master at night there was five of maybe them. we have a different perception they still of have master means. yes it's fucked up they still had like a good five minutes before the sun rose yeah they had some time to slay and there's five of them against two guys because woods is on Balak. Yeah, and you got fucking Montoya who's already fucked up, and you got the priest who's like probably and shit, shouldn't piss And we're himself. only talking about the masters. There's still shit ton of goons. Yeah, there's several people to fuck all that little camp they had Take together. Ten seconds to kill them both, no problem. And then you can still get to fucking even safety. Woods being a master slayer. They would have fucked him up, no problem. They knocked him out on that fucking van. But they got yeah, they dipped out. They went bitch. The one thing that I wanted to point out during that sequence before Valak gets impaled is he can't access the cross because now it's shrouded in daylight. Oh, yeah. So he's cut off from that. It fucks him up. And that's when Woods comes in and gets the cross and goes all fucking stabby with him. Yeah, and he tries to pull off the cross, Valak, that is. And Woods, he's like, oh, look, there's some daylight coming through the roof. Let me fucking tear the roof down. And that's, yeah, how, that's what happens. Tear the roof off the second. Let me tear the roof off this bitch. But he does. Daylight comes in, and boom, your boy explodes. Valak explodes. Then we have the emotional beat of the movie with Woods finding out his boy is turning into a vampire. They they do have a Mexican standoff. I don't know if you if you wrote that down or noticed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what happens. But you're right. They can, He confronts them about, all right, what's going on with you and your girl here? They're going to ride off south. I gave you two days. How long have you been turned? Essentially, all it is is that, look, Montoya is turning, Katrina is turning. They won at least two days because he gave them that. Right. Right. But Woods is like, look, we're still going to hunt you. We're going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. So do not mistake that. Mm-hmm. They have that little hug. They take off, and then Woods and the priest, the Padre, are still there. And they're like, oh, we still got some vampires to kill. And they're going to go mop up, which you never get to see. But you no. get to hear them talking about the priest Wood on the way I out. love that last Padre's little conversation Wood. they have. Because the Padre grew some cojones. During all of this. Dude, he's yes. a bad, straight badass. That's what I'm saying. At movie. the beginning, he's a little bitch. He, he kind of reminds me of, like, uh, in basketball, yeah. Squeak. He's a little oh, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's squeak all the way. He's, he's definitely squeak Scolari. But he's <laughs> yeah. straight badass by the end. No, he is. He grew, like I said, he grew some balls. He was about to take fucking Baldwin's head off with that shot. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. What I liked is how he has a, that comeback at the end for Woods mm-hmm. when he's like, you know, hey, back there when, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you were killing vampires. <laughs> Did you kill a wood? He's like, yeah, mahogany. He's like, what? Yeah. Teak. Yeah, he's an ebony. Teak. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he says father language <laughs> yeah i thought that was funny you know it's it's sticky but it was funny but yeah that was it that's that's the end of the film but there's um, a few sequences where we never get to see the badass them it's yeah. just montages and we never get to see the end with them finishing off two people finishing off five masters yeah, what the hell man and a ton of goons I mean, like I said, this isn't the best vampire film ever, but it's super nostalgic for me. I fucking love super it. Super entertaining, man. Super entertaining. A lot of action. You get James Woods. You get a Baldwin. You get Cheryl Lynn. She's the vampire hot. sequences are staged a bit horror-y. Yeah, I think. And there's some good jump scares yeah, throughout. Thomas like, Ian Griffith does a good job as Val. Like he sells it. He has that awesome sequence in the motel where he's slashing through everybody. A few pretty good gore effects. Yeah. Like I said, I love this movie. It's a good film. It's it, like I said, it goes it's, back to the past for me. Don't expect it to be like a Christopher Lee film or you know a Universal Dracula. It's not that. It's or an Blade. action. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not Blade. It's not Wesley. I love Blade though. Oh my god. Nobody can replace Wesley, man. Sorry. Regardless, I enjoyed this film. I laughed a lot more than I thought I was going to. There were scenes with James Woods yeah. and his little snarky shit, and I had to pause it because I was fucking laughing. I was gut laughing. I was like, this motherfucker. He's funny, man. He's funny. Yeah, no, I I really like being able to come back to this one. Yeah, and I'm glad the, that the you, other you fun thing, now with this being the end of our Vampire Month, at the beginning of our Vampire Month, something we didn't even plan on happening happened. And I know that we've both watched it at this point, and was also a part of my childhood, and fits into Vampire Hunters. Castlevania on Netflix dropped, yeah. and that's not even the reason we did Vampire Month. No, it had nothing to do with it. But for only being like two hours worth of shit, I highly recommend it. Have you watched all of it? I watched it all now. Nice, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, I busted it out a couple nights ago. Without giving spoilers away, what did you think? My kind of criticism of it is that it's billed as being season one. It doesn't feel like a season. It feels like a prologue. It's like, these are the characters that once this story starts, you're going to be following, and this is how they came together. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like a full season. It's like four 30-minute episodes. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, they were like 24, 25 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can binge watch that in no time and realize, like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's not. it doesn't feel like a season. Like I said, I think the way you said it, the prologue, perfect way to describe it. Really good animation that feels kind of old school. Feels like the old hand-drawn shit that we dealt with, and I, I'd have to look into it, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it was. You start recognizing some names, yeah. Especially because the writer on it is Warren Ellis, who's huge in comic books. Just one of these gigantic names. It's really nice to see him doing this. I'm actually lending his run on Moon Knight to somebody right now and was just talking to somebody else about Transmetro the other day. Interesting. He does all sorts of great shit, though. Nice, man. I mean, I really liked it. I mean, I kind of felt that Dracula might have overreacted a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, he's he's still justified. He gave he, he gave them a lot of time, and I can't say more than that, but he gave... And, I, and I'd say with the shit that he dealt shit with that, and who he is, like, some retribution should be expected, but he might have went a little bit overboard. Yeah, he might have went a little BF on it, a little bitch fit on it. Yeah, he's a little melodramatic, but still but, cool. Hey, he's emo. The thing I like with animation, there's ways of showing vampires as powerful that there's no way as that you feel that they should be when yeah. you read things about yeah, it's them. hard to do that live action super hard to pull that off and so like him and spoilers little alucard yeah 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 yeah. that's not really i mean it is but it's not it's not both feel very powerful very cool oh, yes. uh, awesome. it's not simon i keep wanting to say simon which of the belmonts is it it's uh trevor trevor yeah Trevor, I really... Uh, Trevor snarky, had me dude. laughing a lot more He's than I good. thought he would. Uh, snarky. He was not played the way that I assumed they no. were going to. I like the fact that he is likable and he's relatable. 
even though he has, you know, he's a Belmont. He's not the aristocratic style. I mean, he is, but he's not like overtly, you know what I mean? Now, I do want to say that I like his big cloak yeah, on better nice. than how his outfit looks without it. I agree. I agree. The cloak is the cloak's pretty cool. It's iconic. But I like what they're doing with it so far. It's kind of horror. It's mostly just gory. It is. It's super gory. It does kind of a neat balancing act with the villains because Dracula definitely isn't the most prominent villain, I'd say. He sets up the backdrop for all the shit that's happening, but there is a different villain at play that's really the thing that's bringing pain to these people just as a whole. And I I thought that was kind of an interesting look at things. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely worth a watch if you've either played the series. Wait, can can I say spoilers? Just yeah, to say of course. What it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. It's the church. The church. The fucking church is being ran by a lot of shitheads. Oh my gosh. And you, the corruption is really what brings shit down on these people so, all yeah. the time. That's a great like, point. Dracula's like great a just point. now thing, and even that oh. was because of the church. Gosh, I know. Ooh, I don't want to say it, but well, I'll talk about it with you after mm-hmm. we we do this. What I what I captured from this show, but I would say, like I said, if you're familiar with the video game from the from the '80s. Oh, also Nintendo. a very strangely pro-science show. Yes. I was going to say, that's why I was going to... There's some other leanings that goes along with the science aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, it seems kind of... I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily anti-religion, though, because they sort of... Uh, the Seekers or whatever they... Yeah. Or... What is it? Speakers? Seekers? You is know who spe- I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, the group. The group. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. They're, they're it's something of that a nature. pretty positive light, I would say. Yeah. But I think there's totally leanings with the writers, whomever. Mm-hmm. But, regardless, yes... If you like vampires, if you like anime, if you like gore, like if you just like anything to do with the whole storyline of vampires, check it out, man. Give it a go. It's only four episodes. You're not investing a lot of time. And that's the other thing. If you've already been following along with us on Vampire Month, it's something that happened during Vampire Month yeah. that involves vampires. But so the why not? Dinky. Yeah, why no, not? I think it's really cool. I watched it. I'm glad that you got to watch it. So, oh, yeah. I've been a huge fan of Cat. That's another like Castlevania, obviously, oh, is man. Vampire Hunter. When I goes think back to our youth. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about nostalgia, and this fits right into it because I grew up playing the the fucking the whole series. So yeah, it's fun. It's a good show. Whenever an RPG allows me to make a character that even slightly reminds me of any of the Belmonts, I give them the surname Belmont nice. to this day, just because I fucking loved all of that shit. Because they're badass. Yeah. I would also, I mean, highly recommend, because I'm just looking right past you onto my shelf, like, Mm. while we're talking about animated vampires, along with Castlevania, you can go back in the day, try to catch on some Helsing, I recommend Helsing Ultimate, I know that I'm going to try to turn you onto it here pretty soon. You know, I like to get turned on. And Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, love Vampire Hunter D. That that's another one. I won't say it was an early one, but when I was probably in high school and I was going through my anime phase, that was definitely one that I captured. And those are things that we might find some way to talk about more in depth in the future. We might yeah. not. We'll it's see okay. We we have all kinds of opportunities. But I do want to recommend them just because I'm a gigantic fan. Well, likewise, man. We, you know, we both come from different angles, but we both enjoy it regardless. Helsing, Alucard, and Helsing is like the ultimate vampire. He can kick the ass of any of these other fictional vampires that you've ever ran across. And perhaps that's why you should read the manga, watch the OVAs, whatever. Because it'll restore your faith in vampires after, you know, like Twilight. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, so no, if if you need your, like I said, your faith restored, (laughs) give it a go. Definitely give it a go. I'm I'm glad we got to do vampires, man. Yeah. You know, it was a fun month. We held to our laurels and we did do a month. A month. And we're not quite sure where we're going to go next. No, we have. Yeah, we have options. So we can't really reveal anything because we're still working these things out. But keep in mind, we've got some really cool shit lined up. There's some cool shit lined up. 
probably within a couple weeks for sure. Until Granted, then, yeah. we're going to just keep bringing you fun movies. And honestly, I'm going to guess next we're probably not going to go fun. We're probably going to go fucked up next. I, whew, I'm glad you said that because I was... I was I'm we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it more, but I have a feeling we should go fucked up uh, next. Yes. We've been going yes. pretty tame lately. Yeah, we've been, we've been the tame tigers over here. <laughs> but, all right. So with that being said, like I said, we are wrapping it up. So let's go through the four that we did. For those who are not familiar. Okay, yeah. Uh, we started with 1972. 72's Blackula. Blackula. Which is great exploitation. Oh, Such a good film. Uh, horror. It's uh, very respectable, classic. too, for a exploitation film. Yeah, it's a classic Dracula, but set in the 70s. Uh, super funky. You get to see the Hughes Corporation. And speaking of classic Dracula, we then went with mm. 1970. Jess Franco's Crown Dracula. El Conte Dracula. That's right. Christopher Lee's Dracula in a non-Hammer production. Yeah, great times. Uh, extremely faithful adaptation of the novel, also with Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski neat. did a great job. Soledad Miranda, we got to mm-hmm. talk about her. Maria Rahm, believe it or not, she's been in a lot of things, and oh, she was right. sexy times. We got to talk about Helen Towers being a spy and running vice rings and shit. Right. <laughs> Producer of the film. Jesus. So, yeah, so that one was chock full of really cool facts. I, I couldn't believe Jess it. Jess Franco, man, that's awesome. I got to share a little bit of my uh, personal stash, too. I've been, we've been All doing a little right. bit more of that. Then we went last week to GDT's first movie, Kronos. 1993. Uh, sort of weird, accidental vampire yeah, movie. Yeah, this one more or less involves a mechanical device that causes these changes of vampirism, as opposed to a traditional bite. Uh, yeah, neat take on it. Like fairy tale woven, yeah, a yeah. little bit fairy taleish, accidental vampire. Yeah, it's you know honestly, um, both the films that I chose with a grandfather's love. Yeah, I mean that one, like I said, that was that was the thing that I think that really stood out was that relationship that he had with mm-hmm. his granddaughter. So that was like I said another nostalgic one. But I was going to say that the two films that I chose, Blackula and Kronos, I'd never seen before. We did this vampire run, so that's why I chose those. Nice. And then we just talked for like an hour and a half about this one. So you yeah. know what the fuck it's about. John Carpenter's Vampire. So yeah, that's our, our closure. But that doesn't mean we're done with vampires. It just means we're closing out this little segment. Yeah, we'll get back to him at some other point. But to keep following us and what we're going to continue doing next week and the weeks to come, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Is tuned it tuned in? in? Yeah. It'd be awesome. We're still on our website www.friedsquirms.com Twitter we're, we're still up on Twitter at Fried Squirms we're on the, the Instagrams Instagram Fried Squirms Podcast at, yeah at Fried Squirms Podcast Facebook Fried Squirms yeah we're I mean really there. if you search for Fried Squirms you should you're bound to find us but we're giving you options here a lot of we options. still take messages we've been messaged by some number of different followers ways. which is cool so we try to get back to you whenever we can and if you really want to directly message us for sure email us squirmcast at gmail.com and we would love to continue talking horror with you yeah so give us some ideas some suggestions some feedback whether it's negative positive we're still open you know whether we're too stoned when we do this it's yeah. not going to change i know we ramble we do, but that's not going to change anything yeah we would like to know you can point it out i mean we'll take credit <laughs> shit shit i don't know that's about all i have for this week but no like i said i'm uh i'm happy we got to do this it'll be interesting to see what we come up with next because it's going to be a surprise for all of us yeah i i don't know what we're going to do yet i'm excited though we'll keep you posted though so until next week, I'm Tyler. I'm in motherfucking Missoula, Montana. I'm Danny. Fried squirms out. Out. <laughs> <laughs>